The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Judas and the Black Messiah is a 2021 movie dealing with events of uh, 1968 and 69, mostly or maybe all in Chicago. Featured agencies here are the FBI and the Black Panther Party. I hesitate to call the Black Panthers an intelligence operation. I'm even not really sure they, I mean, okay, I get it. They call themselves revolutionaries. They definitely have revolutionary thinking and aims. But I don't think we call them insurgents because they're not uh, engaged in active acts of violence. Which would, uh, yeah? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I think revolutionary or activists would probably be the best. They, they're definitely politically motivated. So I would, I, I don't know, political organization. I'd heard, uh, I'd heard that supposedly they were inspired also by the 1966 movie Battle of Algiers. Um, but from what I'm seeing, except for maybe the emphasis on feeding the people, I don't really see them having learned a lot of lessons from that movie. Well, this isn't like the birth of the Black Panthers. This is kind of like a one moment in time. This is when they'd already been pretty well established, right? It's just Fred Hampton's kind of climb in the area that the film takes place. From what I understand, this is like not even the beginning or the end. It's just kind of like one story of like, you know, uh, and in like a mole being placed within... Um, I'm not like a, a chapter of the Black Panthers, right? Because Fred Hampton is just the Chicago chairman. It's a national right. organization. He's not the head of the Panthers per se, although right. he's coming to a level of prominence that he's on uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover's radar. So we're going to see him uh, get killed here in 1969. For context on that. Malcolm X was assassinated in 65, Martin Luther King in 1968. Um, yeah, the FBI really had a had a boner for black leaders in the 60s. It's really ridiculous. No fans of Hoover here. Uh, I would go so Not far as to say, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to put him. I was thinking like how how high he rates. Now, of course, there there have been monster monsters in America. Prior, but uh, just thinking 20th century or latter half of 20th century, mm-hmm. I think I think the short list is uh, J. Edgar, Alan Dulles, and Dick Cheney. That's a that's a that's one I didn't even really think of. Oh, Reagan. I mean, there's a lot of problems today. We could probably blame on Reagan. I mean, he's the one that started taxing uh, Social Security. <laughs> to pay for his big tax cuts. This movie got its start. It was uh, the Lucas Brothers, those uh, identical twin comedians uh, that first came up with a script for it that was getting shopped around. I think uh, by the time it you know actually got made and went through all the process, they brought in uh, some different writers, and I'm not sure. They're probably credited as story, uh, but not script. Shaka King, the director, he does not have a lot of movies on his resume. I think this is like his maybe fourth movie. Uh, you know, if you don't count like really, really small projects. And uh, it's certainly his first big one. I'm pretty impressed. I haven't got any good trivia for this movie. Well, I guess we could talk about the, let's see, overall 
accuracy on it. Um, I do. It did come to my attention that Bill O'Neill and Fred Hampton, that would be the Judas and the Black Messiah of the title. Uh, I don't. I don't think they interacted with each other directly as much as we see in this film. The one thing in particular. Oh, really? Yeah, the one thing in particular was uh, I know that he wasn't Fred's driver, and that that was that was put into the movie. And looking through it on a second time too, I I think the I I think I can detect that like a lot of the the interactions between them are actually kind of um, you know could be manufactured for dramatic effect and don't have a huge amount of impact on the story. Yeah, not at all. I mean, this overall was, like, really well done. I, I mean, just right off the bat, the cast is, like, unbelievable. Everybody in the film did such an amazing job. Um, so even if they did, like, little little fudges to, like, historical reasons, I don't think it really took away from what they were trying – the point they were trying to make. Yeah, it's definitely a pro, very pro – Black Panther Party movie. Mostly what I knew about Black Panthers going into this was that they were militant. And I'd mostly just heard the the, the stories about them um, confronting police with openly carried firearms. I don't know. That was if another thing Reagan did. Because of that, he was the one that went against the Second Amendment mm-hmm. uh, to prevent them from being able to, to do that. Everything they did was completely legal. Um, yeah, Calif- the- California was an open carry state uh, during this period of time. Yep. And the one really famous confrontation uh, with a Black Panther and, and the police, it's like really difficult to imagine going down now without a lot of people uh, ending up in body bags. But a really interesting aspect or part, weird, weird to think about aspect of the Black Panther's uh, impact on history is they're semi-responsible for the the current NRA that we have today because the NRA was a much more, um, I would say, uh, let's see, they were much more focused on responsible gun ownership as opposed to the current like gun ownership at, at cost of all other concerns that they are today. And they they really took that cue from uh, from the Black Panther activities. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. Never would have thought of that. <laughs> I definitely don't know enough about uh, the history to to say if the uh, portrayal that we're getting here is overly kind to the Black Panthers. I kind of feel like it might be at least a little. But it's. I think it's also definitely doing a lot of good work in uh, clearing up a lot of misconceptions. I mean, yeah, it's definitely like uh, on the side of the Black Panthers, like, you know, FBI evil, Black Panthers, good guys, you know, or at least Fred Hampton, right? Um, but... I mean, for, I mean, I think when we both like kind of looked into the historical accuracy, it's it's pretty spot on. Other than those like small differences with O'Neill and Hampton's interaction, uh, but it definitely, like you say, like it, it was definitely like a crop out of the entire history of the Black Panthers. So this isn't like a full history of them. It's more of like here's a story where the FBI infiltrated one group in Chicago, 
and it was interesting because O'Neill kind of betrayed his people type of thing. Yeah, that's well put. Um, before, oh, yeah, and I also like to uh, flag uh, groups, even though these guys are definitely not an intelligence group, but uh, since we usually parse out, you know, fictional from, from real, uh, the Crowns gang in this movie is, uh, mm-hmm. that's a fictional uh, version of a Chicago gang. Oh, really? Well, th- were they based on anybody specific, or it was just like, uh, let's just make up a Chicago gang? I don't know if they were based on anyone specific, but I'm certain, I mean, I feel certain that they're they're based in, you know, uh, gangs of the time, of the era. Right. I'm sure there were a bunch of Chicago gangs, and they were like, well, let's just make a group and kind of paint them like they were back then. I didn't have any trivia for this movie, but I do just want to throw out that uh, a whistle is officially my favorite euphemism for a gun of all time. Can't believe, can't <laughs> believe I've never heard that one before, but it's fucking great. It's the best. That is a good one. That's it's better good. than a, it's better than a piece. It's better than heat. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> or a gat. It, oh yeah. Gat is pretty good too, but whistle yeah. is, whistle is super smooth. Um, any other thoughts about the movie before briefing room? No, I'm good to go. Retinal scan complete. Validating security clearance. Clearance granted. You may now enter the briefing room. I'm going to start with some very solid plus five points on picking O'Neill, uh, for this, for this operation. Um, I mean, sure, they've got the compromise aspect on him, but, you know, they could have had that on any number of young black men uh, of this time. But this specific initial backstory that we see where he's a he's a car thief that essentially goes around flashing a fake FBI badge and and falsely claiming that a car has been reported as stolen, that he needs to take it into custody uh, really demonstrates to us and would demonstrate to the Mitchell character, uh, his handler played by Jesse Plemons, that this guy has absolutely demonstrated a a capacity to confidently maintain a false persona in very high stakes, high tension situations. Yeah, this I, I really like the opening scene where they're kind of recruiting him. Um, I, I think I have more to say about it as we get uh, down the road. But, uh, you know, it's like a guy that's out for himself, you know, uh, and he's put on this act as pretending to be an FBI agent, um, like holding people up and like, you know, confiscating things. Uh, and, and it's obvious, like, you know, uh, like when, when Plemons asked him, uh, were you upset when Dr. King was murdered or Malcolm X? Like he kind of didn't. It didn't bother him. He's just he's just kind of a guy like you know like a just a, like the a guy on the street that's just for out for his and you know wait, what do they say like out for me and mine you know type of thing. And I like that you pointed out that they recognized that he was able to you know actually maintain a false persona well on and uh, but I really liked the targeting here that it, it, that it was someone that they could kind of groom. Over time, I guess. 
It's a it's it is a good recruitment scene that gets a lot done in a short amount of time because we do want to like, like get to the story, right? Um, but you know, I mean, if you if you wanted to be criminally over analytical, you know, it's it's weird that Mitchell is showing up like just like hours after the incident, you know, because he's still got the wound on his head, and right. and that he would make him the offer right there on the spot. Right. <laughs> uh, most likely, or at least I would hope and expect that there was uh, like a lot more vetting going on in there. I mean, yeah, it's good to ask him, you know, were you upset when Dr. King was murdered or Malcolm X? Uh, but I think you're going to want a little more um, checking into the guy's history and his politics. Uh, right. Or, you, you know, just sign him up. Absolutely. But, but I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Right. <laughs> I did like that line a lot that a badge was scary in the gun when they asked him, well, why pretend to be an FBI agent? That was a, that was definitely a impactful line. Yeah. A badge is scarier than a gun is a very good line. It also definitely lets you know, like the, the politics of the movie right up front. Right. That's, that is probably the single most uh, right from the director's lips into yeah. the screen <laughs> yeah. statement that we get. Absolutely. I'm chill. I'm chill with uh, getting to see O'Neill when he first, like, you know, signs up and joins the party that he's just way back there in the low level doing grunt work kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, he's not coming in and going up to just talk to Fred Hampton, like right away on day one. Mm-hmm. Um that uh, you know that he takes his time and just spends a lot of time observing. He's a very observant person, which yeah. is uh, something else that obviously works out in his favor in this kind of work. After a certain amount of time, that uh, you know, and he's making his reports to Mitchell, figuring out how to get closer to Fred Hampton. Again, it's 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 much more smoothly. Uh, arranged than just, you know, I don't know, constantly wanting to talk to him and ask him questions and, you know, you know, act like he's, you know, he avoids the appearance of trying to insinuate himself in and and become a friend or an ally to Fred. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the idea, and of course it's Mitchell that, you know, coaches O'Neill through it. Like, think about it. Like, what does he need? Like, what Mm -hmm. is something that, you know, we could help you get that you could give him that would make him say like, oh, this guy, I should hang out more with this guy. And of course, that's a car in this case, um, which I don't think was, I don't, it's been a while since I listened to the podcast. I listened to a podcast where, where this guy uh, that was the guest uh, was someone that had grown up in the Black Panther Party, like his uh-huh. father and uncles were heavily into it. Um, one of my favorite uh, things about that show was uh, him talking about how all all the other kids at school uh, would be like constantly like, how do you know so much about the fucking Constitution? You know, and, <laughs> and he would be surprised and taken aback because in his family, like that's all they talked about, like over dinner every night was like the Constitution, what's legal, what's not, what how things are supposed to be and and mm-hmm. matters of that kind. Uh, but uh but yeah, him being that's where I think I got the the idea that him being a driver was manufactured for this movie. It's a good I mean it's it's a smart B 
bit of scripting and it's smart for him too. Cause I mean, you, I mean, what do you want? What's better? Even if that's all you do is just drive him around. What's better. What better way to like know what his entire daily itinerary is like every day. Absolutely. And I, I think they even explained it out really well. Cause they're like, well, uh, Fred Hampton doesn't like doesn't want a car because he doesn't want to be like what in the DMV register like he like he didn't want to get the license or something he didn't like the paperwork or it was like another reason for me to pulled over okay right his name would be attached to the the plate so I think it was really clever writing that he was like oh he doesn't drive so somebody has to drive him I, I wonder if Fred Hampton actually had a driver for that reason which uh, I think is pretty clever and it's kind of it's kind of um, like what they say about the metadata that they collect from cell phones being way more valuable than the actual content of the conversation. Right. Um, you know, just knowing who you're talking to and when, like that's incredibly valuable. Exactly what you guys talked about, you know, it's valuable, but it's not as valuable. So this is a, definitely a good spot for O'Neill to be in to do his job. The next thing I had was, you know, I, I, I noticed... And I think it's really clear that the movie intentionally wanted us to see the contrast between O'Neill's apartment and Mitchell's house mm. because, you know, the shot of him in his kind of shitty Chicago apartment was right. like unnecessary for any other reason. Mm. But then we immediately go to Mitchell's house, which isn't lavish, but it's definitely like it might be O'Neill's first glimpse of what upper middle class white America looks like at home. Right. Um, so I know it's intentional on the movies part. I wonder how much intentionality uh, to give to Mitchell on that. Um, let me put that to you. What do you, what do you think his thought process is here? I mean, he's introducing him. Well, to- he welcomed him in his home. He fed him. You know, I think there's a number of things going on. One, I think it's developing a repertoire you know, and like a relationship and showing trust. Like I've let you into my home. I trust you. Uh, but it's also kind of like, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, you know, uh, kind of thing. Like I, I, like, even though he used compromise against him, he also paid him. Right. You know, he was paying him money. And so uh, for a person that's like an opportunist, like O'Neill, he, he, he's not going to, bite the hand that feeds him type of situation. And I, and I think the other dynamic is basically, this is what your life could be, you know, stick with me kid. And uh, you're going to, you're going to climb the ladder with me as I'm going up. You know, uh, I, I think there's a lot with that scene. And I think it's uh, really, really important for the storytelling of what's going on, especially since you know, O'Neill was like a me and mine type of person, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've, often uh been told that like the best way to convince someone is not through argument but simply by uh representing like being being the kind of person that person would also like want to identify themselves as you know mm-hmm. to to be like you know to basically form a tribe uh tr- a tribal link um so yeah, I think there's something to that here. Like uh just and and also yeah, just showing that he's not, you know, just I don't know, a guy with a badge and a gun, you know, in a in a police station. Yeah, that's a it's another thing. Like I'm a person. And I think it's also important to establish that 
yeah, look, I've been telling you that, you know, I, 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 that I, I want equality and stuff in here. I'm showing it to you because I'm bringing you into my home. You get to like see my infant child. I'm cooking you barbecue. Here's a cigar and a glass of whiskey. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're together. So I think the tribal thing you were talking about is, is, is a really good point. Like, I think that encompasses a lot of the dynamics going on with that scene. Is, yeah, is that, to at least on its is, on its face, like break down this barrier, this in, inherent barrier of black and white. You know, uh, try try to make that that barrier at least feel a, a somewhat porous. You know, right? Like you said, right. like you know, this could be you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of the other guys in the FBI decide to run a propaganda campaign to make all the Panthers look bad and look like they're inciting violence or that they're about to incite violence or something, you know, cause Hampton was going around and he was going to reach out to the crowns and try and organize. And one of the things you don't want, if you're trying to prevent something from happening, and I think this is going to become really important in a little bit, but you don't want a unification. Uh, I remember it was a big deal when the bloods and the Crips wanted to like have a peace and and I think there was some incitement by uh, some organizations to prevent that because it was kind of scary. There was a movie about this called uh, The Warriors where uh, there was a guy that wanted to join all the New York gangs because they had more of them than the police and they could just run the city. And so someone had that guy assassinated to prevent the unification. You know, So this is kind of like a similar story. Um, and so they're running like this propaganda campaign where they're printing out these flyers but it's a lot of like white collar midwestern white men that have no idea how uh, an african-american in the like urban area of chicago speaks and they kept making stuff up and i think this is going to make my number three worst trade craft is not learning the vernacular of the people you're trying to impersonate oh i see because they wrote this one line like dig in instead of like, you know, you dig or whatever it is like, like, you know, or like, like, especially since I brought up the warriors, you know, Cyrus is screaming, can you dig it? Can you, he didn't go dig in like, and because of that flyer, that's what got the crowns to want to make an alliance with Fred Hampton. Cause it was obvious somebody was trying to tear everybody apart or prevent like some sort of agreement. And they, they're pretty sure it was the government or FBI or something like that. Uh, and so that was a big mistake was look, if you're going to one, if you're going to impersonate a group, you better make sure how they actually talk. You can't just make shit up and be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've heard them say that, you know, that that's already demonstrated your mistakes. And since we brought up the battle of Algiers, this is that type of stuff we were talking about in our episode where the, the, the guy that was running the camera on the border focused in on the old man with the birds meanwhile the three women crossing the border who were actually the ones there to bomb like got overlooked because they they were like kind of had this stereotype in their mind and they weren't eliminating their filters uh and their and their kind of biases that they had about this community so instead of doing their time to research and learn things like accurately they just kind of like manufactured these ideas in their head and it actually bit them in the ass because the Crowns and the Black Panthers ended up joining forces. 
Um, so I, I definitely pointed that as my number three worst tradecraft. Okay. But with some minor plus spy points for it, it is a good idea. It's- oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. As long as you do it right, you know. <laughs> yeah, so definitely you're right with a plus pipe. Like putting out propaganda, doing like false flag stuff, this happens all the time, you know. Uh, and I'm sure there were some successful missions of this, but for this film it was important to have this mess up. Um, and I'm sure there were mess ups like this during that time period where they just did not learn who they were trying to to impersonate <laughs> right and i don't think i don't think i saw in the movie that they i, I mean I, I i can imply it but i don't think they saw in the movie that they actually had knowledge that hampton was planning to visit the crowns but that right and just something that landed on the cutting room floor they do right. have they do <laughs> have the meeting um i don't understand why the crowns I mean, the, the display of force, the number of guys with guns that they have at the meeting is like absolutely overwhelming. And I'm not sure what the point of it is. Uh, well, I mean, I saw it as like a typical rivalry organizations. Like you'll see this in mafia films or like samurai films, like all the time where like two kind of rival forces have a meeting and then you go to their home. They're going to be armed to the teeth because they think this might be a ploy to take them under. Like, you know, oh, oh, you, you guys might be here to, like, overthrow us or something. And just so you know, we are not a force to be, we, we like, you know, to, to be overlooked or, like, taken lightly. That's kind of how I saw that. But, yeah, it was definitely pretty gratuitous. Uh, but it, it just always reminded me of those mafia films or, like, or like a samurai film or something like that where, like, a rival, like, daimyo or, like, uh, like warlord shows up in like a different person, their, their rival's house and like everybody's got like just shit out on them and they can't, they can't be armed. You know, they could have just taken them out right then and there type of thing. But yeah, no, I, I think, I think it was a little much, but it maybe makes it, for a good movie. <laughs> maybe it's also a, a good opportunity for the crown's leader to like look Fred Hampton in the eye and see that he's not cowed, you know? Yes, to that's see, true. To see that he's serious and that, uh, you know, because if you are going to even consider allying with these guys, uh, you want to know that they're, you know, that they've got straight fucking backbones. Right, right. And they're disciplined. And there's a whole thing about discipline in this where they were training the new Panthers. And that one guy who recognized O'Neill started screaming. And then like all the crowns do like the, the capos of the crowns were like, you know, you're not supposed to speak out of turn, you know, like yeah. they, they nipped that in the butt, like immediately. There was oh, yeah, a whole like thing that. about discipline and militant organization and stuff, which uh, um, they, they got a lot from, you know, reading Castro and Che Guevara and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So, cause it's um it's uh, apparently one of the guys from the initial scene where O'Neill uh, fails to steal a car with his fake FBI badge. Yeah, uh, is <laughs> is present at the Crown's meeting. He's he is a Crown, and um, you know he challenges on it him on it. And, you know, as you say, he gets slapped down for speaking out of turn. They don't want to like hear his shit, but you know they're, they're going to leave the meeting okay, but. I think my number one worst has to be that that's a, a thread that never got, um, I don't know, resolved because, okay. Yeah. You're not supposed to speak up during the meeting. I understand that. 
But right. afterwards, there's got to be a process where the guy says, hey, look, you know, whoever my immediate superior is, I have I need to tell you something about one of those guys. It's really right. it's, it's really important. Right. Yeah. On the crown side, we didn't get that. But on the Panther side, we did the uh, the one of the woman, I guess, was a guard for Hampton. Mm-hmm. Pulls a gun on O'Neill and makes him like a hot wire the car because she was like, "What the hell was all that FBI shit?" And he had to tell her the whole scam he used to run. Funny enough, because he was an FBI informant at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, my private yeah. nickname for that chick is Spitfire. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. I, I liked her yeah. a lot. Um, and I I appreciated and and noticed that uh, you know when they did, you know, she's the one that takes the lead on interrogating him about that situation and checking out his backstory. And I appreciate the fact they keep Hampton completely out of it. You know, he's not, he's not, right. present. he doesn't need to be, he, no, doesn't, he doesn't, he yeah. doesn't need to get his hands dirty with this stuff. And right. if it is, if it is a fed, you know, then, you know, first thing, just create distance, get, get, right. get our, <laughs> get our most important piece safely out of the situation. Right. This is when we start moving into more recruitment. Uh, but there's something really big that was very powerful that I wanted to talk about. Um, Fred Hampton goes to the Puerto Rican gang. I think they were Puerto Ricans, right? I believe so. Yes, yes. sir. Yeah, that was, the. Uh, I think, the Young Lords or the Lords. Right. Um, yeah, that was the Young Lords group. That is a, a, a real group from the time. And then, and he also went to the white supremacist group or the Confederate. I don't, I, I'm not sure what organization they were, but with a giant Confederate flag, I'm pretty sure they were white supremacists. And Fred Hampton, being just a charming, speaking kind of guy, was able to unite uh, the Panthers, the white supremacists, and the Puerto Ricans based on, hey, we're all poor. They're trying to divide us. We need to be united. Uh, and successfully did that. Uh, I want to make that my number two trade best trade craft of the film. Um, that was huge. I did not know that about Fred Hampton. And uh, when I looked it up and he actually did do that, that just boggled my mind. Cause I've been saying stuff like that forever. You know, that's how, that's what's going on. It's like the, the people that are kind of like shot on are being divided type of thing. And if they ever like, you know, Pulled to, and and this is what gets Hoover's attention for the most part was that he was able to unite these groups that are already powerful groups on their own, but now you're putting them all together. Now they're kind of even a bigger group that's kind of a, you know, well Hoover would consider a big threat. Um, and so I, I really wanted to make that my number two best tradecraft. One, Hampton even having the charisma to pull that off, and and two, uh, just just the idea from from like a you know, revolutionary activist standpoint where it's just like, no, no, we can't be fighting with these people. We need to get unified and stand up for the actual problem. Um, and that's what he did. And that's what uh, made Hoover force someone to arrest him for something stupid, which I think was it stolen ice cream, which he never did. Right. <laughs> stolen ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> gets a, what it was, seven fucking years or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, I think he got good behavior or something, but crazy. Whatever. It was silly. I think what uh, what should we call it? O'Neill was only up for five years for impersonating a, a federal officer. 
Jeez. So <laughs> they really threw the book at Hampton. Yeah, this. yeah, they really would have to like manufacture a million. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's definitely how prosecutors work today. Is right. you know whatever the whatever the crime is, they come up with like you know twenty different things to charge you on, right? Just to ramp up the the amount of time that you'll be facing, and and the whole game is to is to force uh is to force a plea deal so that it doesn't have to go to court. And the reason for that is because we just, we have, we have so many, um, we just don't have enough justice system to go through and give everyone the amount of, let's see, um, uh, civil rights, civil rights, justice rights, whatever it is, all your protections that you have against the state, just like, you know, crushing you for no reason, you know, your right. rights as a defendant. We have so much of that in the system that, you know, was, was put there in the constitution. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where like, we really can't like, um, give everyone, honestly, the, you know, it sounds shitty to say, but, and I'm not, I'm not justifying it or something or saying like, well, that's just how it is. Cause it does suck. But we literally do not have the resources to afford everyone their constitutional rights. And that's why the prosecutorial system is completely out of control because it's a, it's a way of managing that. Well, that's what the plea deal is for. Right. That's why they offer like lower sentences. Just keep it moving if we can, you know, uh, which, yeah, I agree. Right. It's but the whole, silly. the whole game, the whole game to force the plea deal out is to threaten you with as many years in prison as humanly possible. Oh yeah. yeah. Like this is what you could be facing. Take the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty shitty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Fred, Fred goes to jail for a while. Um, and a kind of a bunch of stuff happens here in this part of the movie. Mm-hmm. where kind of, I don't know, it just feels like some disconnected events. Like each of the events in and of itself, like I appreciated, but on my second watch, on my second close watch, I didn't really see how a lot of them literally like drove the story, which is going to be often a problem with, uh, you know, when you make a movie based on real events, the more realistic you get, the more, the less of a coherent story, like the more committed you are to getting the facts right, the harder it's going to be to uh, have everything fit into like a, you know, the kind of uh, tight interlocking story kind of mechanism that you get when, when that you have the, you know, the liberty to do when you're writing a pure fiction or if you're willing to take like increased liberties with with the characters so i mean i think one of the like one of the big ones probably like kind of one of the biggest things in the movie that happens that like it it goes to the it i guess it goes to the message of the movie but doesn't exactly interlock with the story is where this um other black panther uh, a black party black panther party member from another chapter has come to chicago seeking refuge because he's killed someone Mm -hmm. 
And O'Neill's going to report that to Mitchell. Mitchell's going to go and report that to his superior. His superior is going to say, ha, 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 check this out. <laughs> that guy, the murderer, he's one of ours. He's an FBI informant. And every place that he goes, we can get a search warrant for because he's wanted for murder. Wow. Yeah, that was that was really, really like slick. It's my number one best tradecraft. Um, it's really, really fucking dirty. And, you know, the fact that he's wanted for murder, but they have no interest in actually arresting him at all. Right. Because right. the fact that he's wanted for murder is what, you know, triggers this whole, like, uh, search warrant trick. So they want him to visit, I think the, um, you know, I think Mitchell's shitty boss even says something like, yeah, he's in the he's in the briefing room right now. We're getting ready for to plan out his next step on his national tour. Right. You know, they want him to, to go to as many Black Panther, um, I don't know, houses, safe houses, headquarters, safe yeah, houses, yeah. offices uh, yeah. as, as possible because each one of them uh, they can hit. Although I guess at a certain point, somebody might detect a pattern there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Every house he visits gets hit. Um, but uh, not if all your heads of security are moles. Um, that's that's uh, going to make my number one worst trade craft is that they that these different chapters promoted not one but two moles and however many. Um, this is something I really wanted to talk about for this film. Mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate this is with the Black Panthers, uh, but watching this story pan out, I really kind of was irritated by the black panthers for not having like uh effective counterintelligence preaching um, yeah especially since they worshiped che Guevara and fidel castro and fidel castro like set up cuba specifically to prevent cia penetration and it was like pretty much like impossible for us to get in there um it, it it's uh Something that really bothered me. And I don't know if this was a story choice for the film or if this was actually accurate for Hampton's chapter. But the fact that two chapters promoted their head of security and both of them were moles is like a huge deal. That is like an enormous penetration for reasons that you just discussed. Because not only do you have guys that could just freely go in and out, there's actually no oversight to prevent more moles from getting in because your heads of security are the moles. Uh, so uh, that's that's going to make my number one worst tradecraft. And I'm like, I I want to believe, especially since most of the Panthers was organized based off of uh, Cuba, you know, and like kind of what Che Guevara had like sketched out as mm-hmm. well as like Fidel right. Castro. I would like to believe the Black Panthers had much better counterintelligence than this. Because it's not in the movie whatsoever. Because, I mean, uh, Castro's regime was founded on the idea of counterintelligence, right? Right. I mean, and, and I'm actually reading a book on counterintelligence that discusses how difficult it was dealing with Cuba. And, and like, what a, like, like, like thorn in the side that entire piece of history was. Um, so I, 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 I think this has got to be a story choice. Because it's very hard for me to believe that it would be this easy 
to get the heads of to get two FBI informants in as the heads of security. Um, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it was real because O'Neill was, and he was praised for how brutal he was. Uh, I, I guess that's how he proved his uh, loyalties was just being a really brutal security guy. Who O'Neill? Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah no, and I appreciate as well. Um, I guess I mean, I guess I'm not sure exact. Well, I mean, uh, sort of the movie kind of implies, but we never get exactly like Mitchell, like what O'Neill's mission statement is. You know right. how much it's just supposed to be like just gather information on the Panthers, or how much it is like specifically targeting Fred Hampton. Definitely in the movie, it's a it's a focus on Fred Hampton. Right. Um, but, uh, if, if, if that's true, then it's even like, uh, more laudable that even with Fred in prison and like off the table, O'Neill's working overtime, like overtime being a really, really good fucking villager. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, as you say, you know, he, he, he works his way up to uh, head of security and, um, uh, We've got this. Um, we've got this part where the police blow up the the Chicago BPP headquarters, and you can see O'Neill like really, really passionately leading and organizing and getting the shit back together. You know, he's being right. a damn good villager. Plus five points right. for him on that. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know if this is worth talking about or for how long. I mean, maybe just a brief mention, but maybe it's just because I'm a video gamer and not an actual gun enthusiast. But do shotguns really have the kind of range that they show in that in that uh, standoff? Like the first thing I thought when Spitfire aims a shotgun out of a second story window at cops that are on the other side of the street, I'm like, bitch. You need to put that thing away, and like, <laughs> like you um, are. Well, the length of those barrels, they're probably used for shooting birds, but and they could have been using slugs as ammunition and not like uh, birdshot. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I don't know why they had shotguns. Uh, that you would definitely want rifles. I mean, across the street isn't as far as you would think, uh, but. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the spread of like a regular shotgun would would not be that accurate, and it probably wouldn't do very much damage uh, unless they were firing slugs. Which even then, those aren't going to go that far. I was just curious. Kick. I mean, I'm ignorant. Like maybe I just don't understand shotguns. But I'll tell you one thing. Like in in, in Call of Duty, that is definitely outside of shotgun range. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good catch, and I think it's a valid. Uh, point to spend a few seconds <laughs> we're gonna call it right here and call that our uh, first half of our tradecraft analysis of Judas and the Black Messiah join us next week for more <laughs>